4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. All right, rolling into the 4 o'clock hour, Silver 7s. Happy hour is going down right now. 277 on Margaritas. Beers and shots. You come in with your A-play card. You play the machines. You play the tables. They've got great gift giveaways on both Tuesdays and Fridays. They've got rollover, 250 every hour between 8 p. and midnight on Friday. So a great place to come down, get some drinks, play the machines, win some money. It's Flamingo mm. and Paradise, which, man, down the road, it's gonna be, uh, this is going to be a, a bustling, hustling area. I, I got them reversed, but hustling, bustling area. We're just a big block away from where F1 is going to be. I, I oh, mention yeah, F1 yeah. every time I'm down here. You're very excited for it. Well, I just I you know you know my big thing is uh, the roads, and we're not going to do the I-15 Trop Exchange yet because uh, the, they're just starting. But uh, the Russell, the well, just it's the it's the Paradise and Koval Tropicana up to whatever you want to call it, uh, Spring Mountain slash Twain. My God, pave it. It's rough. Please. So get me started on my favorite strip of the 15. Coming on from Russell? Or, like, coming from the 15? Well, guess what? Guess what's coming? They're gonna, now they're, they're going to be shutting down. <laughs> they're going to be shutting down a lot of I-15 and, and TROP and doing, to, and doing it often. If I have to drive down Frank Sinatra one more time on my way to... I'll find all the back routes, man. North, you yeah. better map them out now. Oh, I do. Like, when I go from, like, especially like around this time, if I'm coming... Uh, here or every once in a while, you know, for somebody else. Um, like, yeah, I'll, I'll take Frank Sinatra. I'll go different routes. It's, Eventually, it's you're going to you're gonna have to shoot on the east side over to Maryland or Eastern and, and go up and down that. That's, that's going to be the easiest. And Eventually, then come back up Sahara. Eventually, I'm going to have to buy a school bus and weld on a giant iron, like, I don't even know. Like, what's the little thing on front of the excavator, excavators? And just, like, bulldoze my way through traffic. <laughs> It'll sound like that. Uh, Rams have no, have no salary cap. Let me say it again. Rams have no salary cap. <laughs> Just everyone gets extensions. Everyone gets top of the league money. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know why other teams can't do it. It's funny. We sat at Raiders availability yesterday, and Derek Carr mentioned again, because he, he was asked about Renfro and Waller's contract. And Carr's like, yeah, you know, a lot of the veteran players, including myself, you know, we wanted to make some sacrifices to make sure we could stay together. Meanwhile, I wonder if anyone's asked Matt Stafford, like, hey, Matt, why did you take all the money you could get? And I'm sure Matt Stafford would be like, because we have no cap. I don't have to worry about that here. I don't know what – I don't I, – like, and I keep hearing over and over again, there's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be a day. There will be. When? In like you know three what, years. You know what's funny? We heard, we heard all about the Saints being in salary cap hell coming up this year. And they had they had an offseason where they they just renegotiated again. They kept their defense together, which is the most important part of the team. Like I don't hear Alvin Kamara all pissed off because he's not getting paid. It's just it is the weirdest, and that's why I don't like. I'm never going to sit here and go because this is all sarcastic. I'm never going to sit here and go, oh my god, you know, it looks like a three year extension for Cooper Cup at about twenty six mil a year. I will actually. I won't lament. I'll actually suggest that Cooper Cup should have gotten Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams money, which is another like three or four million a year. Mm-hmm. Isn't he? Is, a couple of questions. Is he the number one pick in fantasy football? 
Cooper Cup? I mean, in a PPR. I would probably say yeah. Right? If not, he's definitely up there, top three. Should he be paid as much as Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill? I think he should be paid more than Tyreek Hill. I think, oh, yes. I I think he should be paid more than Tyreek Hill. I would say equal to maybe slightly less than a Devontae Adams. Okay. Right? But, like, because when you're talking about just pure volume of what he can do for you as as a wide receiver, he's going to be up there. And clearly, you get paid a little bit extra not because of your production, but because of the connection that you have with your quarterback. And clearly him and Stafford have a connection that maximizes his ability as a receiver, right? So I think he's definitely up there. Will you accept the argument when I'm saying that Hill shouldn't be making more than Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup? Will you accept the argument that character is part of this deal? Reliability is part of this deal. I mean, I get. I mean, I feel like. Am I missing recent incident I, or suspension? I still believe that it was part money and part some behavioral stuff yeah. with the Chiefs that had him shipped out. I mean, if we don't have any evidence of that, I would. I would. I would. Other than what we know already about him, I would say. Um, I would say that that's probably not the best line of thinking. Because at least recently, you know, I'm going to call him squeaky clean because you don't know anything about how he carries himself outside of the franchise. But there's been no reportings of anything that has caused him to miss time, unless I'm not remembering something. No. Okay. I just don't think people have been super aggressive on maybe reporting the inner workings with the Chiefs, some relationship issues. If only there was a connection out in Kansas City. I know. If there were any sources, right? Maybe you I, would. Maybe you would be getting this line of thinking from or building it upon, right? Um, yeah. Because I'm highly impressed so far with Devontae Adams. Yeah. Short time. The way he the way he carries himself, and you're right. Things can change. Hey, if the Raiders lose, Raiders are two and six. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I don't know who you know turns out to be a you know a serious wart, but he seems like a good guy. Um, speaks really well of his teammates. Uh, you'll play some audio later on where he was talking about how cool the Raiders have been to him. Because back-to-back days, you know, one of the angles, and Adam Hill brought it up two days ago with Darren Waller, um, where he said it. I mean, you you guys have a lot of dudes who can can catch 75, you know, 90, 110 passes. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be enough footballs to go around. And I I thought Waller's answer was great. He's a character guy. I thought Devontae's answer was great. Today, so I think they got. I think they got. Uh, I mean, he's obviously on the field. He's freaking awesome, but I think they got a really quality guy in Devonta Adams. I mean, all indications would be that it's so. And I'm with you. You know, listening to him talk and everything about the situation between him and Las Vegas, why he chose out of here, the dynamic even between him and Aaron Rodgers. Seems like a pretty down to earth dude who's yep. going to be a pretty good addition to this team. Well, listen to this. He um, he was asked about you know going from Rodgers to Carr. And I, this is what this, these are the things I like when you get more access, and I think uh, the media is going to have locker room access again. And and fans like fans have been programmed some of them to be so anti media they don't realize you know the inner workings and what they get out of more access from the media. Like we're not the enemy, and sometimes we can really you know wind up delivering being the conduit between the players and and the fans by coming up with good questions. And yeah, today he talked about uh, Rogers and Carr. 
But as far as talent and ability, I mean, it's really similar. If you, if, if I'm keeping it real, Derek's arm strength and and they throw the ball a lot different. Like Derek is gonna fire it in there, and you you gonna know that things coming quick. And Aaron's got the ability to just kind of tighten that core up and just flick the ball to you. So the the release is a lot different, but. Being able to get the ball to you late, you know, if they see you coming out of a break, not many quarterbacks can get it to you before you get to the sideline, you know, if you're outside the numbers already. But having two guys like that with really strong arms and understand the game and, um, you know, the mental part of it is another similarity that they have. Hmm. Headline, Derek Carr is just as good as Aaron Rodgers, says Devontae (laughs) Adams. He didn't say that. No. Because he had more comments. He didn't didn't say that. He did, when he talked about the cerebral part, he he did go a lot longer on Rodgers. And Rodgers being able to read a field, and he didn't say like Carr can't do it. That's another good. Well, wow. <laughs> he didn't. That's how Devontae Adams. Just because he didn't cover both, Derek yeah. Carr can't read the field. He gave he gave a forty five second take on the cerebral part of Rodgers, and only twelve on Carr. Oh, wow. we got controversy here. <laughs> Might be some fights coming up. Speaking of that, uh, let's give away a couple more uh, party packs for Crazy Horse Three. We love that place. It's over on Russell, right across from the Owl. Awesome place to watch the fights. UFC 275 is coming up this weekend. We've got two prize packs here. Caller 6 and 7, 364-1100, 364-1100. Free admission, table for four, two buckets of beer, and you're in free, 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 and you get to watch the fights for free, free, free. So take advantage of this. Crazy Horse 3, look it up on the web, crazyhorse3.com. It's also uh, where you can book your own spot for the fight party. UFC coming up this weekend. A couple of passes to get in for you and a bunch of buddies. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Have you not seen his uh, PJs that he wears uh, to morning meetings too? It kind of threw me off. He wears his hat. I mean, he's got swag. He's from Miami, right? He's a proud hurricane. Uh, I've known him for a while, maybe not on a personal level, but from afar. What he brings, not only just, you know, with swag, but attitude, professionalism, and I, I'll say more important, leadership. You know, when he talks, the room gets a little bit quieter. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. That was new Raiders linebacking coach Antonio Pierce talking about his star player, Denzel Perriman, who, as it turns out, was a hell of a pickup. Old Raiders brass made a lot of mistakes with personnel, especially with the draft. Getting Perriman, that was a find. That was a find, and he's quickly developed as a leader on and off the field. Let's get into the NFL. It's like all NFL all the time now that we have the Raiders on the ground here. One of my favorite guys, a Jersey guy, Great listen on SiriusXM on their NFL channel. Bill Leckis is up with John Von Tobel and Cofield here in Vegas. Bill, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Who doesn't want to talk about the NFL? 24 <laughs> hours a day, you know, 365 days a year now, man. There's there's so much going on. Uh, it, it's crazy. You know, uh, we don't get to talk a lot, but I will tell you, my local show here has changed so much with the Raiders on the ground. Um, there's always stories to get into, and right now it's a crazy time. I mean, it. You remember, Bill, back in the day when we were all at Sports Fan Radio Network, I wouldn't say this often, but I would hear people say, like, oh, man, these are the dog days. There's nothing to talk about. Well, with the National Football League, it is now, it's a year-round deal. I think when we were out there in Vegas, it was UNLV or Boss. They had the XFL yeah. that came through there the one time. But, yeah, it really it was this time of the year with the NFL, there wasn't a lot going on. I think Roger Goodell has a permanent smile on his face with what they've been able to develop from a business standpoint, which is really what we used to talk about, Steve, for baseball. Hot stove league and all this offseason moving to Major League Baseball, it would take center stage and headlines. 
And the NFL captured that with the way they've structured their offseason now and extended it so far that there's a very small window for slow news for the NFL, and we're still not in it. You know, we were just joking a couple of minutes ago about the Rams having no salary cap because they just paid Cooper Cup top dollar. And I know you did a show, I think it was yesterday, right, with Bill Poley and the longtime executive GM in the National Football League. What's your take on, you know, the way the Rams manage the cap? Uh, and I wonder what Polian said about, you know, more high-dollar contracts going out with the Rams. You know, it's funny. I asked him that exact question. When we are doing the show, the Cooper Cup News book, and I said to him, there are 31 other fan bases out there, and they all say the same thing. Are the Rams not guided by the same set of salary cap rules as everybody else? Because it seems like they're able to keep just about everybody. And he said they're very intelligent with the way they do the contracts. And he said also, you know, the main thing that they do to structure it this way, the way they're able to pull this off, is they basically put in this is not. In other words, top yes, they will go pay top dollar. Aaron Donald, yes, they'll pay top dollar. Stafford, yes. Ramsey, yes. And it kind of goes down from there. He, he put it into different tiers of players. They have to do it because they don't pay draft picks. They don't draft anybody. Right. I mean, it's, right. you, know, right. you know what it is with left seat. So it's kind of top dollar veterans to a little lower than that to a lower than that to end of the roster guys. And they do it in a way where they're able to keep a lot of these core guys with the contracts you're seeing this offseason. It's almost like the Rams are ahead of the game in building a roster, uh, sort of like what college sports are doing now, where I don't I don't know that a lot of college programs, especially in basketball, are real keen on taking freshmen. It's like the Rams just want you know uh, three-year guys that can pay cheap, high-dollar guys, and they're just going to do it differently, and I wonder if any other teams try. I, I kind of think the Chiefs do the same thing, but they finally did want to you know avoid paying the Piper by trading Tyreek Hill. What do you think of the Hill deal? I was surprised. I mean, I think they just got to a dollar or a price point where they don't want to go any further. They wanted to keep them, just like the Packers wanted to keep Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams even said today the Packers offered him more than the Raiders did. It just got to a point where he wanted to go. But Hill, I think, got to a price point where they decided, you know what, we don't want to go to that level. We have other needs. They let Tyron Matthew go this offseason, too. And I thought for them, in the end, they just decided it wasn't worth it to pay him that kind of money when they had some other holes on the roster. And you can try to use the Rams blueprint. It's not easy. A lot of things have worked for them, and they've been willing to be aggressive and roll the dice. They'll give up the draft picks for a bond or a rental and win a Super Bowl. They will turn on a guy they drafted like a Jared Goff. A lot of teams are afraid to do that. You take the quarterback first round, you live and die with him. They went to a Super Bowl, but they were still willing to move on when they felt like, we got to get somebody better in here. We're not going to get to where we want to get to with this particular quarterback. So they've been aggressive. They rolled the dice, and they made a lot of intelligent moves that have paid off. So when you look at the way this AFC West is at this point, from a betting perspective, uh, Chiefs most likely teams that win the division, followed by the Chargers, the Broncos, and then the Raiders. And, and there's a sizable gap in the odds between the Broncos and the Raiders in that the Raiders are clearly the fourth-best team in the AFC West. Is that true? Is there really that big of a gap? We're talking plus 250 for the third most likely team to win this division of the Broncos and plus 650 for the Raiders. It's a mile. Not in my mind. I think it's way closer than that. And I think, listen, if you ask me today, I'd say the Chiefs probably win the division. They, they've they been at the top. They have a home. And they got to be the favorite going in. But I don't think there's that much separation from top to bottom, even if you wanted to put it that way. If you said, hey, the Raiders are going to finish in last. 
and it's going to be a very close AFC West. It's going to be battle. I, I don't think there's a big separation between top to bottom in that division. So, no, I don't agree with that. I'm not all sold just because Russell Wilson is there that the Broncos suddenly take off. People are making too many comparisons to Russell Wilson showing up and the way Tom Brady showed up and the way Matthew Stafford showed up and those two teams won the last two Super Bowls. Those two guys didn't walk into a situation with a first-time head coach. This is different. Nathaniel Hackett's the new head coach in Denver. First time for him. It's a little bit of a different setup, what you're looking at in Denver. And I think the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers are all extremely, extremely close. So, Steve, I just wanted to note for people who are listening who didn't know the difference there in terms of some of those numbers. Broncos at plus 250 would say that they have a 28% chance of winning that division. At 650, the Raiders, according to those odds, would have a 13% chance to win wow. that division. All right. Bill Luck is with us, Sirius XM, NFL Channel. I'm going to ask a question in a weird way. Who is the worst coach of the AFC West? <laughs> right? Who's the worst coach of the AFC West? Who's the one you worry about the most? I mean, because I because if we if I ask you who's the best, I think the most people are, you know are going to say it's Andy Reid. But yes. who's the worst? It's hard to give one guy because we don't have a track record on Hackett. Right, right. So, I mean, I I have concerns with McDaniel's. He didn't, you know, he had some success, but it didn't all turn out the way he wanted it to the first time around. Right now, I'd put McDaniels ahead of Hackett because I don't know what you're going to get out of Hackett. There's, right. That's just an unknown. That's a CBD. McDaniels has had a little success, and I think it's not the worst thing we've seen in this league where it doesn't work exactly the way you want. You go back, you're a coordinator, and you try to figure out what am I going to do better the second time, what can I do different the second time around, and he gets that job. So I'd put the unknown at the bottom with you know, Hackett before I would talk about McDaniels down there. I mean, there are a lot of people who will crack on Staley and all the fourth down stuff. And, the you know, they, they had a lot of success, but they also failed a bunch. I mean, it got to a point last year towards the end of the season, Rex Ryan's basically calling him an unqualified clown to be a coach in the NFL. He was a little much for me with some yeah. of that. Now yeah. Rex uh, was with a little much to be going up fourth down in certain situations. I don't think he's necessarily going to change. I think we'll get a better idea about him this year because of the talent improvement on the defensive side of the ball in particular. We know... They can score points. We know they have a quarterback. But when you go out like a lot of these teams did in the AFC West, you had the pass rusher. They did with Khalil Mack. They had the big cornerback with J.C. Jackson. I think we're going to get a better idea of Staley's coaching ability a year in as opposed to what he was working with last year, which wasn't a full deck. So one of the things that I'm most fascinated to watch this year is the Chiefs, mainly their wide receiving core. Pro Football Focus most recently rated their uh, top, well, not top, all the wide receiving cores. Uh, Chiefs rated 19th in terms of their just their wide receivers. Does include Travis Kelsey, and so that's kind of my question for you: is like this new look core without Tyreek Hill. What does this mean for Patrick Mahomes? How much could it potentially hold them back? What's the worst case scenario in your mind with these wide receivers? I don't. Uh, a huge fall-off, I'll be honest. I don't think it's going to go downhill. I don't think it'll end up being 19th in the league or something like that. I think it's going to be different. I mean, it's not going to be one guy. It's going to be a bunch of guys playing different roles, like Tyreek Hill would do it all by himself. And can't forget they got arguably one of the top two tight ends in the NFL, if you want to say Kelsey and Kittle in whatever order you want. So you have to include that in. But instead of, hey, it's just Tyreek Hill playing this role, now it's Smith playing part of the role. And Valdez Scantley trying to take the top off of the defense. And Sky Moore, who they drafted in the second round, playing part of that role. So I think it's just going to be different. 
but I don't think it's going to have a huge fall off that some other people do just because Hill's not on a team anymore. I'll go with another who's the worst, because I think you like that one. Bill Eckes is with the Sirius XM <laughs> NFL channel. Uh, is, I'll just say it straight out. Is Matt Patricia the worst offensive coordinator in the AFC East? Yeah, I would say yes. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any question about that. Well, is, is he the OC, Bill? Is he? What I, are I we doing? Know, I don't know what they're doing over there. And that's it's for me to say that about Belichick and what they're, you know, He's, he's made us look stupid before. Maybe he'll make us look stupid now. But yeah. that's one of my biggest concerns in the league. When you look around and say, hey, teams lost coordinators. It happens every year. Guys take head coaching jobs. So Matt Eberflus, he ends up leaving Indianapolis. He's a head coach in Chicago. They replace him with Gus Bradley. Those are the kind of things we're talking about. Josh McDaniels leaves, has been there for a very long time. You have a quarterback going into year number two, and you have Matt Patricia. I mean, that's just a question mark. So right. I don't know. Go judge. What's that, your other option? I don't know what they're doing over there. I'm surprised in the way they've handled this thing. And it leaves me with a lot of concern for Mac Jones and what the Patriots are going to look like offensively here going into his second season. Yeah, Bill, we were, I made the joke the other day to Steve. You know, it was asked of Bill Belichick if they were installing a new offense, and the response was, I don't know. My, my argument was maybe he actually doesn't know. Maybe he has no idea what's happening. <laughs> that would surprise me. I know they've said that he's much more hands-on with the offense than he's been in a long time, but that's that's not what I want. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for a formula from the Patriots that's led to success, and that has not been Bill Belichick with his handprints all over the offense. That is established coordinators in there. Go back to you know Charlie Weiss, if you want, being the offensive coordinator, or Bill O'Brien or Josh McDaniels. It hasn't been a situation of, well, yeah, we're going to bring in a couple of guys I'm familiar with. They've been in the system, but they have not been calling plays in the past. This is very different than anything we've ever seen the Patriots do. I'll tell you, my biggest concern in the AFC is what we're seeing here at some shops taking bets, and that is people fading at pretty good money, the Browns and their season props, with the thought that Watson might not be out just eight games, but the whole season. What the hell are the Browns going to do? I mean, are they basically, I mean, I, I know they're having trouble getting rid of Mayfield, but part of me with the Browns would be like, maybe we need to keep Baker right up until this is official. What the hell the NFL is going to do with Deshaun Watson? I think he'll probably still be on the roster by that point because they don't have any takers, and I don't think they're just willing to cut bait and eat the money just yet. I'd be surprised, though, even if Watson is suspended for the year, if it's Mayfield to the rescue. I think the relationship is that broken. On both ends, this isn't just Browns, get him off our hands. I think it's from his end, too. He had enough of these guys. He doesn't want to be there. He wants to be somewhere else. If that means he's got to sit out or they got to cut him, what have you, I think he's willing to do that. You know, I'll give you an interesting one here. Jacoby Brissett's the backup right now. And if you had to live with Jacoby Brissett for four games, six games, maybe even eight games, you might be okay. They've got a lot of things on that team they can do offensively. They can certainly run the football. If it's for the whole season, 17 games, it's an entirely different story. So this has been brought up to me by two different people uh, who have you know, been in the league and have been general managers before. Keep an eye on what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco because if it comes to a 17-game suspension for Deshaun Watson, the Browns could look in that direction. Ooh. It's very interesting. Bill, what do you got coming up on the channel? 
I'm going to be on tomorrow uh, with uh, former GM, as a matter of fact. I'll be on with Mark Dominic from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time with the Sirius XM Blitz. I believe we're actually going to have Cooper Cup on the show, so I'll ask nice. him where to print the money in L.A. so they can pay all these guys. But that's the next time we're going to be on. Bill, you're awesome. Thank you for the time. Yeah, anytime, guys. There he is, Bill Leckis, one right. of the hosts at Sirius XM, the NFL channel. Fired up? No, he said anytime. I'll, I'll call him later tonight. <laughs> I always forget to follow. When, when you get an answer like that, you're like, you know what? We just had 5.30 open tomorrow. You're back on. I will give them credit. One of the when, – when they were on ESPN Radio, but the Dan Levitard show was great that's, with that's that That's what bit. I'm talking about. They, they would literally follow up and go, okay, yeah, really? Okay. And they would call him again the next day. <laughs> it, was, it, was a great, it was a good bit. So awesome. Ticket windows open again. We got a ton of concerts, great ones. Great shows coming to town. This one's at MGM Grand Garden, Friday, June 17th. You can grab your tickets, AXS.com. Who is it? Not Fest Roadshow, Slipknot, special guest Cypress Hill. Call our seven right now, 364-1100-364-1100. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Draymond's focused on podcasting and blah, blah, blah. Like I told y'all, the beginning of these playoffs, this podcast ain't going nowhere. I'm going to leave the arena. I'm going to return to this hotel room. I'm going to return to my home when we're back in San Francisco. And I'm going to film this podcast. And then you will turn this podcast on and you will listen. And that's just that. You're going to get this podcast. I, it baffles me. It's so funny when I when I hear people like, oh, you shouldn't be podcast. So what should I be doing when I get to my room? Like, should I go to sleep? Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Draymond Green on his podcast. This is where we get stupid. It really is. And I'm not saying we, because I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not upset that he's podcasting. We've heard a bunch of people say, hey, that's a distraction. And Draymond nailed it at the end. He's like, what would you like me to do the night after the game? Like, what is the big freaking deal? Now, if you believe that he's giving away the secrets to the organization, right? Then maybe maybe, maybe there's something there. Uh, But I'll also say this. um, You can do your podcast, Draymond. I ain't listening. So I don't know what that part was. Like, you're going to – I'm not listening. What I'll get is the stupid clips from it, and we'll use them, but I'm not sitting there listening. First of all, I, for some reason, I've, I have not made the transition to podcast as my number one listening option. It just hasn't happened. Oh, it's pretty much all I listen to. I know. I know a lot of people like that. Our, our buddy Justin Watkins from Battle War Injury Lawyers, he's like, all podcast, all day, except for Cofield and Company. Right. I mean, but like, uh, well, the reason I like podcasts is just because I can find the top, like specifically the topics that I want to listen about. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's, you know, all the sports. But also, there's part of me that is a 45-year-old middle-aged lady who likes a little murder mystery podcast every once in a while. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm big on a, I'm a true crime podcast. It's riveting? It holds well, I, mean, I shouldn't say murder mystery. Like, true crime podcast stuff. Yeah, I think if I, if I worked in a market where I had, and I don't want to ever do this, because I did it for a little while and it sucks. Um, if I worked somewhere where I had, like, an hour and 20-minute commute both ways... Which is which is a miserable existence. Then I would probably listen to more podcast. But you know, there's nowhere here in town that you're driving any more than 25, 30 minutes. Not at least where I live. It was actually dealt a really big blow. Uh, one of the the video game podcasts that I listened to, or the gaming podcast I listened to, uh, it is produced by a website called Giant Bomb, and um, they're like one of their founding members 
out of nowhere, it was just like, oh, he's gone. He's left the website. Oh, and, wow. and he's starting his own, like, just podcast on Patreon. And I was like, wow, okay. This is, now I feel like I'm going to give the new crew a listen because it's, you know, it's, it's the cast of characters that he had worked with before. But, I don't know, feels different. Feels different. Say that. What happened uh, when Chuck Ojeda left Cofield and Company? We there was a little dip. A lot of people were upset. I thought the ratings went up. Don't be like that. That's what I saw on my back end. So I'll know. say this: If Draymond Green were six seven and five hundred pounds, then I'd have more affinity for him because you you know the 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 beefier folks and kind of the the oddities. Not to be mean, I love it. And there's nothing more than a five eight two hundred and seventy five pound baseball player. That just has me riveted. And there's a couple of them. What you believe my children will be? Uh, I don't think I've said they're 5'8". Do you think there'll be a, a bunch of Williams Studios? Well, they're, they're <laughs> going to be thick kids. And I've, I've, I mean, you just showed me relatively you know, beefy. newborn. Woo, beefy. Six and, months old today. Yeah, I mean, you got, got the extra beef. But, uh, you know, you're, you're a pretty big guy. You're not short. So I've, I said before, I thought Diego had the build where he could be. Like 5'11", 290, playing nose tackle. Yeah. Could see it happen. Which is a good thing. Be good. Uh, Alexander, is Alexander, yeah, Alexander Kirk and uh, Estadio, between the two of them. Because they're, 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 they're also, they're as squatty as you can be. You know, I mean, and I think they both lie about their weight or the organization is. 5'8", 270, but they're also utility players, which is sick. And then who? which one of them was running the other day where it was like, oh, my God. Oh, you're talking about Alejandro Kirk, by the way? The oh, I call him Alexander. Yeah, yeah. Alejandro Kirk, yeah. So he's Blue Jays. I can't even remember where Acedillo is now. Is he Miami? Yeah, yeah Miami. Yeah, because yeah, he, he was in Twinsland. But who was running? So the Marlins, yeah, yesterday, for those who don't watch baseball every day, uh, they were in a deadlock. He won one tie with the Washington Nationals in the bottom of the 10th. And they had runners on first and second. Excuse me, he only had a guy. He was the guy on, he was the guy on two. So yeah. he was the, the ghost runner, if you will. Uh, but it was Williams Estudio. And there is a single hit by Aguilar. And Estudio just rockets himself around the bases and he comes sliding into home to win this game and when i tell you it is the most artistic slide into home in which his face careens off of the dirt because he's so unathletic going into home don't say that it was it was art it was pure art it was one of the best things i've seen in baseball this year just running your ass off and no matter how it ends it's going to look like a belly flop Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. There really is no better follow on Twitter than Brad Powers. It's really expanded his horizons. It's a, it is a funny follow, and the hardcore information on college football is awesome. It's at Brad Powers 7. Brad is up first day spot on Cofield and Company. How you doing, buddy? Excellent. Nice plug for me. I appreciate it. Well, you do, you you crack me up. Um, I want to talk about UNLV and the numbers being posted by the Nugget for all their games this year, but I loved the way you wrote up your Kansas football win total bet where you said, say a prayer for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet an over on a Kansas win total. Not only did I bet over, I laid 150 on the juice to bet over. Uh, okay. It was one and a half, though, okay. <laughs> to put in perspective. Yeah. I think they. I think they can. Win. I actually think three is more likely than one. So that's why I wasn't afraid to lay the juice. Things really looking up for the Jayhawks, huh? Well, I mean, they hired a real coach, Lance Leopold. I mean, keep in mind he was at a big time disadvantage last year. Hired after the spring, 
and yet they were still able to get a couple of wins last year, including that you know thrilling win against Texas. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think things are look, finally looking up for the uh, Kansas Jayhawks. And that's why if you're a casual better and you're looking to bed win totals in college football and you look at certain schools and you're like, they suck. Like, that's not analysis. Like, you know, UNLV has not been a strong program of late. They went 2-10 and 10 last year. But when you looked inside the numbers, they played a lot of close games. So Tony Miller puts out all of the games. I wanted your take on what you saw with the numbers set by Tony. thought they were a little high, meaning uh, they were in favor of UNLV. Uh, I think he was a little more optimistic than I am. And keep in mind, I think UNLV is a much improved team this year. Probably double their win total. Probably at least go from 2-4. to four. I, we've even seen some books, uh, you know, release that. I mean, there's so much disparity out there, and I tweeted this. I mean, William, William Hill has UNLV three and a half, uh, Barstool four, uh, DraftKings four and a half. You can go through every single team in the country and find disparities like this. So, again, you don't have to be Elon Musk to figure some of this out. Getting back to Tony's lines, if you were to plug all his lines in that he had, he would have had UNLV. You plug in, that like, the win percentages for those lines, like, five so he's really high on the rebels and i found some value betting against you and i'll be in some spots i took idaho state fcs school plus 25 i laid the points with california in week two minus ten and a half i took new mexico a conference game plus 14 against the Rebs. i know you and i'll be got the best on new mexico a year ago but i mean that's a good defense there and then i laid 26 and a half with notre dame uh, south point opened that line up 33 yeah, the, the variance on UNLV, and I think this is going to be significant with a lot of teams because of the transfer portal, the variance on what they get out of certain players, I mean, it could be all over the place. They, I think my numbers, and these aren't exactly on, they had 24 players go out in the portal, and with three different commit periods, they brought in 32, Brad. It's I mean, unbelievable. The ro- historic roster turnover. Right. And again, I go back to my tweet, historic roster turnover, and yet among these sports books, there's this race to post numbers earlier than ever. I mean, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, I hope they continue to do it, but I mean, I don't get it on their behalf, and then they, they'll cry when they get beat up. Yeah, I saw someone ask you about Hawaii against Vandy and Hawaii against UNLV numbers. Yeah, so, I mean, UNLV opens up a three-point favorite at Hawaii. I mean, I think that's a little rich, but that's not, not enough for me to make a bet, especially with it being, you know, at the end of the year compared to the start of the season. And then, uh, you know, one book, DraftKings, opened up Vanderbilt Pickham <laughs> on the road against Hawaii in a week zero game. That number's now six and a half. Uh, I'm part of the money on Vanderbilt there. So, I mean, it just shows you that there's a, a very wide range uh, and we're not just talking UNLV again. This is every single team I'm seeing a wide range of, you know, as far as ratings and season one totals. Brad, you mentioned um, the Hawaii game being near the end of the year. Is there a cutoff date when you're betting, like, games of the year or anything like that where you'll either won't bet a game because the variance might be a little different by the end of the season, or will you cut down on your unit size if you're betting on games of the year that are really late into the calendar? So that's a really good question. Not that Steve doesn't ask good questions, but yeah, I mean, it, there is a little bit of a different thought process. You know, I'm probably, if it's week one, I'm firing if, if I think it's three points off. If it's week 13 and it's three points off, unless it's a very key number, like three, seven, I'm far less likely to, to jump into it. And I know we're only talking about two and a half months or so, but they're already holding it for so long that, 
yeah, it's I'm less prone to, to bet a lot of the end of the year stuff. But if it's off five or more points, what the heck? I, I mean, I'm firing away. Brad Powers with us at Brad Power Seven on Twitter, BradPowerSports.com on the web. Really good question for me, by the way. Put it I up know, on, the, I, on I, the scoreboard. I, that's that's <laughs> why I had, I had a dramatic pause. I was wiping tears from my eyes. I was very upset. Um, boy, this is this is kind of a punch in the gut for Michigan. C.J. Carr, a 2024 quarterback, the grandson of Lloyd Carr, decides today he's going to Mi- no Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, big time movement. It has effects not only in that, but I think people that don't follow recruiting are surprised by it. I, you know, people that follow it weren't. I mean, he's been a Notre Dame lean for a while. But, yeah, I mean, on one aspect, it's Notre Dame's highest rated offensive recruit, regardless of position, offensive line, quarterback, whatever, in more than a decade. So that's wow. a big deal for Notre Dame. Obviously, it's a big deal that Michigan didn't get him, but. Notre Dame also, for this year's recruiting class, leads for the top player in Michigan. Another five-star quarterback out of Detroit with the name Dante Moore. So that actually might be good news for Michigan that uh, C.J. Carr, this is a kid that won't commit, you know, is only a sophomore, right, not going to be a junior. So that, you know, could be good news for Michigan. But I do follow recruiting. Uh, It does matter. Stars do matter, uh, folks. And you think Freeman's just going to kill it, huh? Well, I mean – I think he's going to be a great boomer bust. I mean, look, inexperience in Notre Dame, I mean, it has proven to be, you know, big-time failure. I mean, going back to Jerry Faust, I mean, we look at Charlie Weiss, uh, Bob Davey have all failed with no prior head coaching experience. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, Notre Dame right now has the number one class in 23, and with C.J. Carr just announcing uh, here, they they got the number two class in 24. So, I mean, they are recruiting – at a level that we haven't seen Notre Dame football recruit at in 30 years. So he's going to have to be pretty poor for Notre Dame not to have success at this point. Lloyd Carr's grandson <laughs> turns down Jim Harbaugh, right? You just mentioned another Michigan quarterback. Notre Dame could be in the lead. Is this a result of Harbaugh jerking around with the NFL for so long? Yeah, I do think that's part of it. Uh and then some people have got at me and said, no, it isn't. Yeah, it is. I mean, read the tea leaves. Why do you follow – why do I follow recruiting? Well, I mean, look, kids are pretty trendy. They're on the up and up on what's trending. And they'll tell you right there, you know, I didn't appreciate, you know, the, 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 the recruiter. I mean, on signing day, uh, Harbaugh was interviewing for, for the Minnesota job. So, I mean, on national signing day, that's where he was. That didn't resonate with a lot of people. It uh, didn't resonate with his staff. He lost both coordinators and certainly hasn't resonated with, with uh, the recruiting classes coming up. And another reason is Michigan is not fully embraced NIL. So they're, they're way behind in that regard. So we've talked a little about games of the year and the way you handle some of these. Uh, last Friday, South Point opens up their games of the years in college football. I know that you were down there. Uh, how involved did you get with everything that Chris Andrews put up? I brought $15,000 with me. I was expecting to make about five or seven bets. They were going to take, uh, you know, two, two grand a pop at the counter, only 500 on the app. I looked at the sheet. This is no disrespect. And I'm, I had to make some decisions quickly because I ended up betting 30. So, I mean, I, I ended up going for volume instead of, you know, just picking my top five bets or whatever and going with that. I just thought, you know, I thought there was a lot of opportunity to be had. So I, I ended up betting 30 games uh, at 500 a pop. 
So you mentioned like like not an insult to Chris because I think with some of the numbers that Chris put up were a little off market from the numbers that were already available at other shops. How much of it is following your numbers? How much of it is looking at what he's got, looking at what the numbers are market wide, and going, I mean, might as well play a number that opened twelve when it's fourteen and a half everywhere else. Yeah, I mean it's part of it, but keep in mind I've already been involved on the right. rest of those market numbers. Yeah. I've kind of you know guys like myself have already shaped that market that, that that was already out there. I've already you know for example I'll give you one. I mean I bet Utah against USC plus three. Uh, I mean I think Utah should be favored in that one. So uh, I'm part of that them flipping the favorite. Now I wouldn't have been a part of laying twelve points with Utah, which is the number that Chris opened up. Uh, yeah, so I have – I've never had this before, and I, I'm, I'm going on year 14 now doing this. Uh, I've never had a bunch of middles uh, already at this point in the process, and I got five games already with 10-plus point middles because, you know, kudos to Chris. He trusts – he has his own numbers. He didn't look at the market and he posted them. I I mean, my, my opinion is, thank you very much, I got like five games with 10-point middles right now. Wow. Brad Power 7 up on Twitter. We'll close on this, kind of where we started, your Twitter account. You got me really sad the other day. It's not like we hang out or something, but uh, I saw you talking to someone about not staying in Vegas much longer because you want to get land. What, what, land? <laughs> what do you need land for? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a goal of mine is to, to be a, a large landowner. So uh, okay. there's not a lot of fertile land. I don't know if you've checked. But, I understand, uh, but what, not what a you... lot of great land in, in Nevada. So, and I mean, obviously, part of the process, I would never even entertain it if it wasn't for legalization. I mean, now we're entering, you know, thirty plus states, so I can pretty much move wherever I want. At this point. All, right. all right. Well, next next time you're up, we're definitely getting into what you need all this land for. Is it farming? Is it growing weed? I don't know what the hell's going on, but we'll we'll deep dive on that next week. Brad, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Land as a we... former person in manual labor, Brad, hit me up. Oh, you're going to move with them? You're going to move your family? I don't know if this media thing's going to work out. you got to keep your options open. Like real-life Yellowstone, Brad Powers and his ranch hand, John Von Tobel.